Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the last podcast of the season. Had to throw a quick clarifier in there, kind of like Conte when they asked him in the press conference, is this your last match of the season? He said, yes, it's my last match with Chelsea of the season. You know, little clarifiers like that, Dan, to make sure that the press don't twist our words and, and, and make us look like bad guys. We're just we're just the good guys here. Well, working on that A-plus troll game, that's what Antonio Conte was doing there, Nick. I think he really nailed it. Uh, I give him a, a 10 out of 10 on execution. Yeah, the you could you could see that happening in a text message where it's like, yes, this is my last last match with Chelsea. Dot 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 dot. And you're waiting for the type to come through of the season. <laughs> it like, just uh, lagged because you, you dropped like, him in that damn connection. It, damn it, he got us again. That wily bastard. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyways, it also kind of bring it back, Nick. It's it's good to finally have you back on the podcast. It's actually been a little bit. Yeah, I've uh, I've been traveling a ton, uh, but um, as I listened to the previous two shows, 
uh, it's very clear that I'm the most expendable part of this whole deal because uh, <laughs> because the uh, the guests that uh, that filled in for me, including our very own Mike, did a tremendous job. So uh, shout out to those guys for for filling the gaps while I was traveling and doing Mother's Day and doing a wedding and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff. So I, I think uh, that's a, a terrible narrative to try to ship out. We know you were hanging out with David Louise somewhere in the world. Yeah. Somewhere in the yep. ether. You were just, you know, right beside him. At Babo. It's at his new restaurant. Babo. It's at his new restaurant. Yes, it's great. I can I can confirm. He is a lovely gentleman. Uh, oh, speaking of guests, uh, we did dip into the talent pool. Uh, Jeff Borzello back joining us from New York. Uh, welcome back, Jeff. Thanks for having me back on. I'm glad you dipped back into the talent pool to, to bring me back for the finale. I know. What a special one. It's kind of like a, a double header a little bit. I don't know how much we'll get into, but obviously the, the Chelsea Legends match went off on Friday. Uh, scoreline wasn't that friendly, Jeff, but obviously it's so much fun to kind of just see a lot of those guys back together and, and playing. Yeah, it was like I, when I saw Di Matteo's goal, I was like... it. it, it you know, it was from like 25 yards out, but like rolled into the net. And I was like, I was like, but I'm like, if I'm, when I'm that age, if I could score from 25 yards out, I'll be, I'll be absolutely thrilled. It was a, it was a really cool, I don't know if, if everyone got a chance to watch it uh, out in the, uh, out in the universe of, of Chelsea fans, but it's on their Facebook page. If you want to go um, watch the telecast, I think it's on the website too. Uh, you should, it was a, an amazing atmosphere, amazing tributes to, to Ray Wilkins, uh, I, th- I think it, you know, for for a guy who has only been a Chelsea fan since like 2006 or seven, uh, it was amazing to see some of those like mid to late 90s uh, team uh, members get together. And uh, I think the occasion was something that the club should really look at replicating year after year, um, if not for Ray, then then for another uh, reason, because I think the fans really enjoyed it. It brought some levity um, to watch some of these old guys struggle through uh, fitness and, and all this stuff. And, and I think it was just a really good occasion to kind of help bring the, the fans and the, and the club a little closer together. So I uh, just wanted to give a major shout out to, uh, to the club for putting that on. Inter were much more fit <laughs> and it looked like they had played together for a, a longer period of time. But uh, Dan, what, what were your thoughts of, of the match? Well, it's it's very clear that Jody Morris gets a workout quite regularly compared to the rest of the Chelsea players. He looked like he could have gone another uh, 90 minutes or so, while some looked like they needed uh, an oxygen tank much, much closer than arm's reach. Hey, man, it's uh, we're asking a lot of those guys. It's crazy going out and playing on full field. But anyways, uh, definitely go check it out. Uh, before we get into the pod, we didn't have any Patreon views, so um, we'll wait on that. But, Dan, we did have two more international iTunes reviews. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of like Pitbull, all the international love we're getting right now. But uh, Nick from Sweden World, and worldwide, Claire from baby. Canada. Yeah. You know, no area codes do not. Uh, yeah, we're we're all about country codes, Nick. And uh, these two, one from Sweden, one from Canada. So thank you both for some five star love. And if you'd like to drop a five star review on iTunes, regardless of the country store you choose, we'll give you a little shout out at the beginning of the next episode. So thank you very much for that. Pretty sure we had someone say on Twitter that they tried to leave a review. They're not sure if it won or not. So if that's you, uh, here's your anonymous. That was, that was uh, yeah, that was Claire from all right, Canada. Good. Well, so very very good. Hundred percent went through. All right. Appreciate that. Um, you know, as we kind of talk about this, this stuff, before we get totally into it, Aerith Muggle on Instagram <laughs> saying, how many trophies have Spurs won this season? You know, obviously none. 
Uh, Jody Morris on Twitter, though, talking about this match, saying, probably the worst final I've watched, but who cares when your name's on the trophy? Get in. I mean, Jeff. Uh, Jody. <laughs> Jeff, this match, like, if we're in all honesty as a neutral, what a struggle to get through. Well, it was, like, funny because, like, some neutral people that I follow on Twitter, they were like, oh, you know, this game needed an early goal. It's going to force United to play and Chelsea can play. And, it, like, it made things way worse. Like, before Chelsea scored, <laughs> it was it was fun. Like, you know, Chelsea were attacking and United were on the counter. And then, like, once Chelsea scored, it was 10 behind the ball. United just crossing it in nonstop to no avail. And it was just like, you know, in theory, a, an early goal would have helped. But in this case, not so much. It's brutal, brutal watching. I mean, you know, like I said, we, we got the job done. We'll get into it. But, you know, I think that's kind of fair play from Jody, even as someone on the staff, like just saying, I, I, I get it. it. It wasn't pretty, but this is a one-off. You're just going for the trophy, and the result is all that matters. So we, it's, it's it's a little crazy. It, it, oh, yes. for sure, for sure. Like all of the factors that we're looking at in this match that we're going to get into would be one that we are uh, that we were up against uh, one of the greatest uh, finalist managers of all time. Uh, I think it's only the fifth one he's ever lost. First in Something England. crazy like, yeah, mind blowing how crazy he is in, in finals. So you're up against that. And then like to out Mourinho Mourinho <laughs> with with 10 men and basically the entire second half was was unbelievable. So uh, there's there's a lot to get into, but Jody uh, nailed it yet again. All right. Well, before we get into the entire match, we do want to say thank you to World Soccer Shop. Dan, you're booted. Nick, back in. World Soccer Shop. It's, it's rude to boot Dan so effortlessly out of the spot, but I will take it back over. Hey, talk as, to Caballero. I don't feel that bad. um yeah so the new chelsea kits are on world soccer shop you know that already uh you can now customize if you want to get that uh, fa cup champions uh kit or winner's kit depending on which which one you want uh you can do that on world soccer shop use the code london pod for 10 percent off and uh and tweet us with all the different customizations that you get on your new kits Uh, i saw like on TV, obviously the Newcastle game was complete garbage, but I think the the blue kits on TV look a lot better than uh, than the mocks that that Nike showed. So it's a it's a better kit uh, than you think it is, uh, and then the, the two new ones should be coming out relatively soon. All right, well let's go ahead and do the business. It was Manchester United in the FA Cup final, playing at Wembley Stadium, home of the Spurs, this past Saturday, May nineteenth. Blues one, Red Devils zero. Uh, we had three correct score predictions. Ugo predicted two one with his head, but one nothing with his heart. So we will give it to him. Janique, who was just here in the Twin Cities recently, and the man himself who posts it every single week, Jay. Congratulations to the three of you uh, going with the Mourinho scoreline um, at Dag Tombre saying, if you're going to beat Mourinho, you have to be Mourinho. An awful game with a great result for us. I mean, there, look, w- there's no hiding it at this point. It is what it is. Uh, but Dan, a lot of talk about the lineup going into this. Caballero trying to make his commitment to the position as public as possible. It didn't work, though. 
Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. And, you know, if you weren't expecting uh, Tebow on the team sheet, you don't know Antonio Conte. Gary Cahill, Rudiger, and Azpilicueta shore up the back line. And then we get a chance to see Alonzo and Moses on the wings with uh, N'Golo Conte, Fabregas, Bakayoko, midfield three with N. Hazard and Olivier Giroud, the sexy French forehead. Um, up top, uh, Willie made the bench, though, alongside Pedro, Ross Barkley, Zappacosta, and Trevor Chaloba, which was a very interesting piece, considering that uh, Christensen was left out, uh, apparently with a injured back as well. And I know a few of us offered to uh, to go fund me a new, him a new one, but uh, didn't necessarily have the time to make that happen. But uh, all in all, I mean, it's... Kind of the strongest lineup we have available, Nick. So I'm not terribly surprised at who he selected. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, the the question of the lineup for me was always going to be whether Fabregas or William played. Uh, I think you could have made a really strong case for either one of them. Uh, William loses out to, to Fabregas, and, and here we are. I mean, we know the result. We know it worked. So no complaints. It's kind of interesting. Pat Nevin was saying on the BBC radio shows this weekend that actually Chelsea lined up in a 3-4-2-1 with Fabregas um, playing next to Hazard uh, underneath, but that after about 10 minutes it wasn't working because it was crowding out Moses, and he said that Conte switched it to a more traditional 3-5-2 or 3-5-1-1. I thought that was kind of interesting from him. You know, um, you know, Conte maybe trying to be a little bit too clever, but... You know, Jeff, as we as we look at these these top line stats, which obviously don't need to paint too big of a narrative, uh, Chelsea with thirty four possession, about thirty percent of that I think coming in the first half. Um, <laughs> Chelsea had six shots, three on goal. The United's eighteen shots, but only five on goal. Um, Mourinho obviously claiming the victory obvi- based on the stat sheet. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you look at it, they didn't have a ton of clear-cut chances. I mean, there was Pogba's header, there was a couple other things. But, you know, for the first, like, 50, 60 minutes, they didn't do anything. And, you know, this, to me, especially once, you know, Fabregas dropped back more into the midfield, I think what it did, like, it opened up a ton of space for Hazard to do whatever he wanted. Obviously, Mourinho wanted to man-mark him. But when he sort of floated to the right... It was either, you know, Herrera had to follow him and vacate all that space where he was or Phil Jones had to mark him. And so I just think that this was sort of the perfect setup to, to win on the counter just because, you know, Hazard either had a ton of space against Phil Jones or there was a ton of space vacated by Herrera. So to me, it was, it was just sort of the perfect setup. And, and, you know, obviously Hazard sort of Chelsea's one, you know, real match winner. And, and this really catered to him, said, you know, float wherever you want. You're going to be man marked. And you know, try to try to go win the game. Thankfully, uh, that broke down for us in the 22nd minute with Eden Azad getting in behind Phil Jones, who clearly had no idea what to do in that situation. You can give the assist to Eden Hazard, maybe even Phil Jones at that point, but nonetheless, uh, penalty slotted home, calm, coolly. Dan, were you concerned, or did you think that Eden should be the guy to uh, step up to the spot? You know, looking at oh, everyone no, else no. on the field. Yeah, no, no, no concern. Ed and Hazard should take every single penalty uh, in in existence if possible. Um, yeah, he's he's just that good doing it. And what I will say is the slow mo captions of Phil Jones's face um, in the midst of taking down Ed and Hazard and realizing what he had done is kind of like watching a tragedy in like four pictures with the enhanced action that they've got going on. It's it's quite wonderful. 
be, it, uh, it brings joy to my heart. I'd be concerned if it was normal by any means at this rate with the way Jones has been. Um, Nick, you really, know. Really, really I, quick, yeah. I have to say what Hazard did to Phil Jones is exactly what I was afraid Rashford was going to do to Cahill. And that was just run straight at him and turn him. And hopefully, you know, like in, in Hazard's case, obviously he got he got his reward. But I was so scared. This is the only thing I was scared about with Cahill playing uh, as a sweeper is that they were going to target him and run straight at him. Uh, and Hazard kind of flipped that script on its on its head a little bit. And Phil Jones has had a rough day. Period. It was not a not a vintage performance for him. Well, so Jeff, I was actually really worried because Hazard had almost gotten in too deep. You know, taking away all of his angle, De Gea's on his near post. You know, Jones coming in. I almost think that Jones bailed Hazard out at that point. It, it like I, as I like, like like you like I thought Phil Jones sort of recovered sort of perfectly. Like he was clearly beat, but he forced Hazard into like this what, what, what would have been a tough angle near post probably shot, and instead he he dove and obviously I mean. I guess the only reason he didn't get sent off was because he theoretically played the ball, even though unless he had like nine foot legs, like there was no chance he could have actually, um, you know, truly played the ball or made a play on the ball. But yeah, I mean, like if he, if, if Hazard took that shot, I mean, you know, I don't know if that's, that's a, even a 50%, um, you know, conversion rate angle. Um, so yeah, I, I think Jones really bailed Hazard out there. Well, thankfully, that's all that mattered. Uh, so if we go into the match a little bit, um, Mark Worrell, Gate17 Mark on Twitter, uh, friend of the pod and, and multiple guests uh, on the show, says, Superb. What an outstanding Chelsea performance. Courtois, Conte, and Hazard, all brilliant. Conte has to take the plaudits for making the right calls in terms of selection and tactics. Hashtag Conte in. And I'm pretty sure that Mark has been first to uh, to disagree with that point. Um, but fair play to him. And I think I'm interested to get a lot of other people's perspective on maybe not Conte in, but rewarding Conte with the plaudits for getting it right. I don't know, Nick. What do, what do you make of this and maybe Conte's legacy if he actually does leave Chelsea? I mean, I would hope, and I think we do a pretty good job of being consistent uh, on this show, but I would hope that most people, when, you know, when Conte has uh, not been uh, as as good in team selection this year and made, made the wrong calls, uh, give him kind of the due flack that he deserves for making the wrong call. I would hope those same people are looking at the result yesterday, even though it was atrocious to watch, and giving him the plaudits for doing it right. Like, I don't think that, you know, you can be any sort of uh, objective if you don't look at uh, the performance that uh, he got out of, out of a team who has apparently quit on him, uh, if, you, if you read all the reports, and, and give him a bunch of credit for getting it right. I mean, clearly, you know, the players who did not make the starting lineup are going to be pissed off because they're not playing in the final uh, and and William has every right to feel that way, and and there are a bunch of other guys who do too. You know that's just part of that's part of life, and that's part of being on a competitive team like Chelsea. Right, at the end of the day, I think the legacy that he'll have is that he came in and won the two biggest trophies uh, in the country in consecutive years uh, with a team that has some very obvious gaps and uh, deficiencies. Uh, so. 
I think that, you know, if, if he was given lemons, he made lemonade. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think he'll be at Chelsea uh, very much longer. But uh, if he isn't, you know, I think we we have to look at his body of work, even though this year was uh, not great holistically. And, you know, he has to be one of, I think, one of the top managers in the, in the club's history. I mean, it's Jose and, and maybe Carlo. And who else? You know, I, I don't know. So I, I think he deserves a lot of credit, Dan. Um, a guy who clearly has issues with the way the club is run uh, to, to go out a winner like this is great. So uh, I'm going to disagree just a touch. I, I do think from a larger holistic standpoint, recognizing the level of work and commitment and where he helped Chelsea progress in our title winning season and you know, winning an FA Cup uh, is, is all well and good. And, and those are the positive highlights that he'll be remembered for. I don't necessarily know, and to, to Marco's point, and you know, I don't necessarily know if there was much in terms of selection and tactics to get right in this match, though. I mean, it kind of felt for about like 90 minutes, we were trying to figure out, well, let's long ball it forward to Drew and have him dish it off to Hazard and let Hazard do stuff. And maybe it was because we didn't, he didn't overtask anyone with any specific one, two, or three items to do. But I generally think it was really more about just trying to catch him on the counter and play defensively. And I don't know. It was probably one of the least inspired-looking games I think we've seen in a long time from Chelsea. And ultimately, I don't know if I would, you know, laud much praise and credit onto you know Conte for that. I think you saw some individually exceptional performances from the players in Eden Hazard and Goa Conte, Antonio Rudiger, that I would credit more to the victory in this particular match for individual heroism than I would Antonio Conte's uh, performance. And I don't know what you think, Jeff, but uh, maybe we can kind of round it out and figure out if there's a consensus somewhere. Well, to me, like, I mean, I guess I've been, you know, hashtag Conte out for a couple of months. And it's not, but it's not because... I don't think he's a good manager. Like I think he he's a better manager than anyone Chelsea will bring in to replace him. Like a better pure manager. I think he's one of the you know best in the world. I agree. I agree. And I agree, I, th- agree. I think when the dust settles and we look back at him at his regime, you know, ten years from now, even five years from now, we're going to see you know won a Premier League after finishing tenth, won FA Cup, and I, I think we're going to you know sort of. I think it's going to take some time to realize how good. He was for Chelsea, but like at the same time, I think he needs to go just because I think the situation between him and the club is, is sort of untenable right now. But you know, the, to me, that doesn't take away from how good of a manager he is and how good of a two-year spell he had at the club. I, mean, I, I just think he's he's a, a really good manager. You know, he basically revolutionized the tactics in the Premier League for an entire season. And if if he didn't, you know, I don't know if he gave up in the middle of this season, but there was clearly something wrong from like mid-January until early April. And so if you take that out and and then, you know, I guess the, the two games, the Huddersfield-Newcastle, which were a disaster. But, you know, I, I still think he's he's a terrific manager. I just, I just think that, you know, the situation between him and the club is not great. But I, I do think that over time and, and a few years down the road, we're going to look back and say, you know, he, he really did have a great two seasons here. I, I think it's okay, though. Like I know, I know what you're talking about, Dan. Like I get it, and I don't think 
from from a, if you're if you're a lover of just attacking football and exciting matches, like he's never been your guy. So you know, I, I get that, and I understand that people have their preferences as to how they want Chelsea to to line up and play. I do think it's okay. I, I do think it's okay, though. I, I think it's okay to feel good for him winning a knockout tournament and getting that monkey off his back, though. Like, I don't think it's you know whether or not he's you know uh, at odds with every single player and or the whole board and or whatever. I, I you know I I respect him as a manager. I think I think Jeff's one hundred percent right that he's better than anyone that we're going to bring in, and it doesn't mean that it's possible for him to say because it feels like it's not. You know, that's pretty much all I'm saying. I think we, we look back on this and outside of Jose, uh, it's good. You know, I think him and Ancelotti are kind of neck and neck for that number, number two role at Chelsea. I feel like we didn't like as, as uh, there's something weird to me with the like animosity toward Conte. And I think a lot of this, uh, to me, obviously a lot, it's because he's sort of hammered the players and hammered the board for a season. But like when Mourinho was here, I don't recall the same, like outrage at not playing beautiful attacking football. You know, Marino got results and he played, you know, quote unquote negative football and he, and he parked the bus and he got results. And like everyone at the time loved it, you know, because it frustrated everyone else in the, in the world and in the league. And now because Conte does it, everyone's like, oh, this is horrible football. I can't see this for another season. We need, you know, attacking beautiful football. And it's like, you know, to me, a lot of it is not the hate for Conte has nothing to do with his tactics and the performance this season. I think it's almost entirely because he just moans and complained for for six months this season. I, you know, I think you know when when you, when people take a look at it, you know, I think they realize what a you know a brilliant tactician and manager who really is. All right. Well, I I will you know I agree with. Again, a lot of what you guys said, bringing it back to this match specifically, like I'll kind of disagree with Dan. I mean, defending is an art. I mean, it's an ugly art. But at the same time, when you look at that team, like I felt like they were organized. I feel like you knew when Aspie stepped versus Moses or when Alonzo had to pinch into the midfield and where Conte and Bakayoko were rotating. To me, I felt like it was maybe simple instructions because it was essentially retreat to your 18 and then hold your line. But, like, I felt like they were organized. And then from a tactic standpoint, it probably was was simple, but it takes a lot of discipline uh, in working those players to go back and forth and back and forth from side to side. Personally, again, just my, my thought is I think that we also saw it in the Liverpool match. It takes a big occasion um, for players to sacrifice that much because they're not going to play like that against a Bournemouth or a West Ham. So, kind of the, the match lent itself to that, but... Um, you, you know, at the end of the day, though, Conte did get it right, even though I was yelling at him from the 65th minute on to make a freaking substitution. And then when he did, it was a striker for a striker. It, I blew my mind. But at the end of the day, he somehow let Fabregas play 90 minutes and it got us over the line. Uh, it, it was kind of interesting. He's, he's rewarding him with his last 90 in a Chelsea shirt, potentially. Maybe. Everyone's out. At Rampant Blue saying, critic of Conte's cup record, you are dead and buried. Who says Park the Bus doesn't work? Everyone knows Park the Bus works. Every Chelsea fan has personally lived through it. Um, at Scott Wildcat saying, how much of the sting from finishing fifth is relieved by lifting the FA Cup? In the modern game, qualifying for Champions League football does seem to carry more weight than winning your domestic cups. 
but I'm a sucker for cup competitions and I'm buzzing big time after seeing Gary lift it. I think it's kind of interesting, right? A lot of us are like, oh, Champions League is way more important. Uh, but winning the FA Cup, and you saw from all the social media pictures from the players, is that they thought it was important as well. Like, this was a really special moment for them. Um, so, I don't know. Does it relieve any sting maybe for you guys? Or is it just kind of like, well, it's better than not winning anything? No, it doesn't relieve the sting for me because – the reason qualifying for Champions League football is such a big deal is it, it shows your entire body of work for a season. And Chelsea were simply not good enough to, to make the Champions League next year. I mean, end up. Like, it would have almost been embarrassing. And, you know, I, I don't say this lightly, so, you know, I'm sure, I'll, I'm sure I'll get a little bit of hate for seeing this, but it would have almost been embarrassing for us to finish fourth. Honestly, because Chelsea's season just did not go uh, go well. They they were not consistent. They didn't score enough goals. They didn't defend well enough. Uh, they were not a Champions League quality caliber uh, squad for the next season. So uh, I I think the the lifting the cup personally is amazing, and I love the FA Cup, and I love the fact that Chelsea's cup record is insane. I think there's 19 trophies in the last 20 years, something like that which is crazy and you can never win enough trophies, but it's still going to suck next year going to Azerbaijan, you know, and 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 that will never, that feeling should not leave these players end of. I mean, like to me, like a trophy, like a trophy, one, a trophy is better than not having a trophy, but like no one remembers who wins the FA cup. Like, I don't know who won it four years ago. And, you know, to me, it's like, it's cool and it, it takes a little bit of the sting, but come August, where you know in Europe we're playing on Thursdays, we're playing against you know God knows who, and it's like you know the FA Cup will seem like a distant memory. Whereas if we finished fourth and lost to United in the final, you know it would it would suck. But it's like all right, you know in, in early August we're like hey we're a Champions League team again this year, and so you know it, it's cool to have a trophy, but in August it's going to be like wow you know Chelsea aren't playing in the Champions League again. But we are playing yeah, in the Community really Shield. Oh, God, don't remind me. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting to play Manchester City again very soon. In 75, 76 days? Meh. You know, I think uh, our friend at Jason Gasworth uh, feeling a little to the rumor mill fire saying, anyone else noticed during the metal procession that Marina, Granovskaya, gave Jose a big hug but only offered Conte a firm handshake? I mean, that's a little. I did. I did notice. I'm not gonna. I did notice it. Really? Yeah. Like you, I, I, was, anything, I thought, I thought it was kind of strange. I mean, like it was like I don't know. I think for Marina, like he probably hasn't seen her in in a few years. So like it was like uh. oh, you know, long time no see. And and Conte obviously he is he's expressed his displeasure consistently over the past eight to ten months. I'm not sure they're they're on the best of terms. It, it felt very like Godfather esque to me. Like you know, you're you're going in, but like you're sure there's a message that she's like giving to him, where she's just like trolling in his ear for it. <laughs> like you left to lose to us. Like good job. I, don't know. I mean, that alternative I don't think narrative. This, yeah, I don't. I don't look at this at all and and see anything that we don't already know. I mean. Uh, if you if you really want my my insight here, uh, both of them have peppered Marina <laughs> over the years. What one has done it more recently? Uh, thus, I think the firm handshake. That's it. 
All right. Well, what about the fact I really was impressed with how well the team played as as 11 men just absolutely committed to winning, um, you know, no lack of passion, even from Antonio Conte back to his suit yelling the whole time. Um, but what from a player's standpoint impressed you guys the most? Like I said, I was just the resolve and the and the resolute uh, effort that these guys had. I mean, Giroud, he touched the ball about twice the entire second half, but he was still out there committed, trying to win every uh, long ball that was lumped up. But I mean, the back, the center, the back three center backs for me were uh, unbelievable. The amount of last ditch tackles that Aspie put in, you know, especially at Sanchez, kind of. Uh, a, a little bit towards the end of the first half, I was worried that we would blow the lead again right before halftime and have to go in one one. But um, sure enough, like everyone just put in everything they had to this match. Um, I don't know, Jeff. Uh, anyways, what about you? I don't know backline, mids, or forward line, or anything like that. What do you think? I mean, to me, the midfield, like especially Conte and Bakayoko. Um, you know, Fabregas he was playing in in like three feet of water for the entire second half, but and and. You know, United have played with three midfielders and, you know, especially with Fabregas, the way he was in the second half, it's like, uh uh-oh, you know, they're going to start winning the ball and having all these chances. And they didn't, you know, Pogba, he had that one header and, you know, he didn't really have an open shot from, you know, 18 yards out. Like, I thought, I thought Conte was great. I thought Bakayoko was, you know, played one of his best, you know, matches in a Chelsea shirt. I just thought those two were immense. You know, Matic was, you know, sort of invisible. Uh, you know, for most of the match. And Pogba, like I said, he didn't have any clear chances besides that one header. Um, you know, Herrera had his his one shot from like 25 yards that went completely sideways. And so, I don't know. I, I think just the, the Chelsea midfield, you know, like they seem to do in a lot of big matches this year, you know, I, th- I think they came up, they came up big and, and, you know, you know, outplayed United's, uh, you know, more expensive midfield. Dan, what do you think? Your favorite part of the, the team today? Obviously, Courtois. Uh, Courtois did uh, was immense for the the entirety of the match, and, and I think it's it's funny to see people you know still excited about potentially envisioning a world where we somehow can convince Roma to sell us Allison or Madrid to sell us Oblak that we can make something happen with him when the best possible plan would still be to sign him to a contract extension and to continue forward with his service for the club for uh, you know many many years but uh, no I think the the individual performance uh, into the end Hazard was great it was I think uh, you know Tony Rudiger was just a beast oh my gosh the way that he continues to pace up and down and fight for every ball um, you know well-timed tackles uh, ability to kind of move the ball forward I think whether we play with a three set a three center back situation or a four in the back next season uh, I'm really really look, looking forward to seeing him getting another full season uh, in Chelsea blue uh, and uh, Nick also some uh, smooth dance moves so uh, that's another thing to consider too I can confirm that he is a better dancer than I am uh, which is good. Uh, otherwise, no one, no one was questioning that. Uh, no you, one. Did. You would be, you'd be really worried if he wasn't. You know, um, I think, uh, I think the the performance I want to point out would be uh, Bakayoko. To me, played really well again. I mean, we everyone knows my love affair for Angolo Conte, so I don't have to point that out every week. But I think Bakayoko provided some balance. He provided some drive in the midfield. He, you know, it wasn't an A plus performance from him, but I think he played an important role. Um, with Fabregas on the field to uh, to ensure that United's midfield didn't uh, tear it apart, and 
Uh, you know, I just want to give him credit. I know he's had a terrible year, uh, probably questioned his own ability at times, but uh, he's a guy who's so important uh, for the future of the club that, you know, I want to see him get back next year, do the thing that he's supposed to be doing, and and we can we can just kind of move on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I he's he's come up big in a lot of big matches this year, like Spurs, Atleti, Liverpool, uh, United. Like he played well in a, in a, in pretty much all of Chelsea's big wins, and you know, to me, the 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 one constant was that it was always a three man midfield in the in his best performances, which I don't think is a coincidence. Yeah, I've talked a lot about midfield bounce this season and uh, not having Modic or performing Bakayoko in a two-man midfield is what, you know, crushed us from the beginning. So, um, we can get into that a little bit later. Uh, interesting from at Wiggle, kind of, three, saying, is everyone looking forward to playing this type of football next year if Conte leaves? Because I am not very enjoyable uh, to watch a team score and defend during the 70 remaining minutes. I mean, I I think that we've kind of been on an up and down with this team, right? So Mourinho's last season, we were defending a lot. Conte came in, we blew it up. We were attacking, pressing people, and we've kind of reverted to type. And to me, I think it kind of comes along with if your players are, are not performing very well, it's safer to just defend longer. But if people are on form and doing the right thing and, and have full of confidence, then you can kind of be expansive. I think that, you know, if Conte stays uh, on, the, on the small odds that happens that – I don't know if if he will completely shell in like he did today. I really think this came down to being a cup final and um, the fact that he hasn't won it at all. He just didn't want to do anything besides the bare necessities and attack. So hopefully it's not that bad, Gaiden, uh, in, in future seasons. And I don't think Roman's going to allow it to be defending game after game after game either. He's just That's just not what he wants. So... Uh, anyways, the last one that we want to touch on is actually not even about the game, unfortunately, in my opinion, uh, because in the early hours of Sunday morning, celebration posts became the story, not the actual cup victory itself. William making headlines by posting a story image on Instagram that featured the team celebrating, but there was three random trophies to the right side of the screen, Dan. Well, he, he did uh, one-up the Diego Costa story where he uh, scrubbed out <laughs> Antonio Conte's name. Uh, so credit to William for being a, a touch more inventive and uh, requiring you to take a second pass at the story. But yeah, just a, you know, the, the gamut of feelings has run from unprofessional to being justified for being out. And, you know, ultimately... Look, you know, it, it, it seems very clearly that in a shift to a three-five-two, you know, in the addition of Bakayoko meant that there was a subtraction of someone. And if it's going to be between, you know, a striker uh, and then you now have room for one kind of creative, uh, you know, winger type player uh, and his art is going to win every day. So, yes, it sucks for William because he's heading into a World Cup and he wants minutes and he wants to be a contributing member of this team. I'm sure, Nick, that it didn't help that William... Uh, you know, had some comments uh, for ESPN Brazil that weren't necessarily the most, you know, warm in regards to Antonio Conte. But I mean, uh, it's just it's just stupid. It's a stupid thing to have to discuss the the day after kind of celebrating a, a pretty wonderful team win. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. Um, you know, I 
I, I can't I can't really give too much thought to this because it, it just doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But uh, I, I will say this: I, I think you know we have uh, we have met William. Uh, he he seems like a really upbeat, jovial guy. Uh, I you know I think for him to uh, go with the subtext here is is interesting. Uh, I think his comments for the article that that was written in ESPN Brazil uh, are interesting. I think it's pretty clear that the Brazilians on the team and Antonio Conte uh, are not getting along that great. Uh, so that's kind of the the, the piece that matters. And uh, I, I the only thing I would say is it just seems like kind of a, a selfish move. Um, it, you know. It, you, you play a team game to me and even if I don't always agree with Brandon or Dan on the show you know we're still a team so you know to, to, I think to do this kind of takes away from that a little bit um, it's again it's not the end of the world it does, you know to me it doesn't mean that they can't uh, patch up and and become uh, friends again but it just is, is a little silly and I, and I do think that like a majority of the community are making a bigger deal out of this than it is. I mean, we've known for months that, uh, you know, there, there hasn't been a great relationship there. So I'm not sure why people are epically surprised, Jeff, that it's just kind of my take. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was kind of a clown move. Like, you know, at the end of the day, he played, I think he had the most appearances of anybody on the team this year. And, you know, yeah. Okay. He didn't start the, the cup final, came in as a sub, but like it's, it's the last match of the season. If you don't like Conte, he's probably going to be out. You know, you're probably on your way to United anyway. Like, why do it? Just, just sort of stay quiet. I mean, even when Costa and Conte had their falling out, you know, Costa stayed sort of quiet for the most part. Like, you know, the the Instagram thing happened. You know, sort of well after, um, you know, their falling out. Like, Willian could have could have just been quiet for the next week or whatever. You know, he's probably you know, gets sold to United and Conte's gone. Doesn't even matter. Like. I don't know. I, I just I don't just don't get what the point of it was. I mean, you know, all the goodwill that that William, you know, got from the fan base after his performance against Barca and and the way he played sort of during that that mid season when everyone else on Chelsea seemed to not care, like that's all gone. I don't know. Like I, I don't. To me, if he thought it was funny and would get sort of a, you know a laugh from from the fans, I thought most people think like you know what are you doing? Like it's just. I don't know. It seems super juvenile, petulant. I just, I didn't like it. I think, um, yeah, it's it's not what we've come to expect from Million, which is probably why it's a little bit surprising, but I wouldn't discredit this still being the fallout from the Diego Costa situation this summer. I, not at all. I, and the, and the David Luiz thing. Like, there's, cl- there's clearly an issue between Conte and the Brazilian yep. uh, players on the team. No, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And these are the management decisions he's made that – ultimately have cost the season a little bit i mean there's if we had diego costa up front this season we wouldn't be in fifth i think that that is fair to say uh christensen has done well but assuming the way david Luiz played last season um his experience and leadership still is better than what maybe christensen could have done um but i don't know yeah we probably wouldn't have lost to uh watford or Bournemouth. um 
if you had someone to kind of rally back from some really stupid decisions in those games. So Yeah, to me, this is kind of why I think Conte is a fantastic coach, but I think he's made some poor decisions at Chelsea when it comes to personnel. And that's why um, the fractured relationships is why he uh, is going to have to go personally for me. Uh, oh, Mike with the good shout, Kennedy as well. But Kennedy kind of made his own bet a little bit. So we'll, we'll split that one 50-50. Yeah, the- yeah, those situation that situation and Williams situation are not are not the same. William was on uh, fire in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, shout out to OMXR, XCV, Claire McConnell, uh, Zane, and uh, at DRC263305. All of you guys ch- chiming in on the William Gate scandal that was. Uh, we do appreciate that. So, uh, anything you guys want to touch on before we wrap this one up with our uh, final man of the match poll of the season? Uh, Dan or Jeff, go for it, man. I, I just, I just, uh, what happened to Alexis? Like the past, Truth. like since. Like he to me, and like I mentioned this on Twitter, like he used to be the the player I was terrified of Chelsea facing. Like he could just he would run at guys and beat them and crosses and finishing. Like he tormented Chelsea for a while, and now you know just pretty much any United game you watch, he's totally anonymous. Like I, there are times where I forget that you know he he transferred there. Like I, maybe he just got Mourinho'd for the past six months or whatever, but he is he's like a shell of his yeah, former you self. You get three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, we dodged a bullet. Three hundred fifty thousand a week, and Mourinho, a defensive coach, that's not going to match up. Well, we were so damn excited about the prospect of him and Hazard on the same squad for a long time, and boy, like you know, I, I think it's just like the NFL or, or any other sport. Like when when the when the downfall starts, it, it can. Sometimes be a slower run, uh, or it can you know be like falling off a cliff. And I, I'm afraid for him and his career that he might be on the on the back end. Oh, for sure, United. I mean, the fact that they have Lingard, Rashford, uh, Pogba, they had Zlatan, um, Martial, now Sanchez, and they still play with you know two holding mids. That's just the team that they play with. They defend with six. So. Uh, that's just Mourinho. We had it right. We, you know, we saw Hazard marginalized because he didn't track back enough from Mourinho's standpoint. Like to me, that's just he, that's very much a system of of playing at Jose. But I think his concern, Jeff, going there was to get that about one hundred and fifty thousand a week pay bump. That was his priority. You get that, like you, you're thirty years old in December. Like you could you could pretty much pack it yeah. in. Oh, too shame for him. Um, anyways, uh, anything else, Nick, Dan? Uh, yeah, I, the only thing I would call out is that um, just as as the style of football I said earlier, um, the second half was atrocious. It might have been the most negative that I've ever seen Chelsea play. Uh, we couldn't get the ball at all. We, we had no strategy. It, it was horrible to watch. It, it all worked out, but... Uh, if it wouldn't have worked out, you'd point to that approach and, uh, you know, look at Antonio and go, what the hell, man? Um, you know, I felt like Chelsea had the opportunity to come out on the front foot in the second half and really bury this thing, and they didn't do it. And that's kind of the narrative of the season, Dan. Yes, yeah, so I think they'll take us into the final man of the match poll 
for the season, and uh, we we had three options that uh, made a lot of sense: and Nizard, Antonio Rudiger, and Courtois. Uh, VAR, unsurprisingly, uh, after a handball, only got six uh, percent of the overall vote. And Nizard, your winner, with forty-two percent, but Rudiger not far behind at thirty-eight percent. I, I honestly, Brandon, I thought Courtois was going to get more shouts. I thought he had a, uh, a great day out. Story of my life. We'll just move on, accept it for what it is. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, the, oh whoa, whoa is the goalkeepers union. Final standings: oh, Chelsea are the cup winners of the FA Emirates Cup. Well done, boys. Um, but we need to get rolling. We got to keep going. We're uh, we need to finally get to some social media questions. So before that, uh, Nick, we do have another uh, public service announcement. That's correct. Uh, all of the. All of this year's kits, the 17-18 Chelsea kits on World Soccer Shop uh, are discounted right now. It's the end of the season sale. So if you've been kind of waiting, holding out for um, for the uh, the sale, it's happening. Uh, code LONDONPOD for your 10% off. And, uh, and yeah, there's some pretty awesome deals, not only on the kits, but are on you know some of the training gear and things as well. Uh, also, just a final call out to go to the Rounds of Russia dot com page uh support world soccer shop in their in their kind of quest heading into the world cup and uh yeah we might have some some promos coming up for the uh, for the world cup as well yeah fair play i mean i think that uh, the one good thing that i personally think this kit is very um you know long term you will be able to wear this in 10 years and still um you know be happy with the way it looks it is very very classic chelsea clean clean kit so anyways first one up uh friend and guest of the pod at goalie 59 clayton beerman saying on twitter anyone still want t-bell out of the club and then it's kind of interesting obviously dan chiming in there are some options with you know i think allison and oblock are probably out of the running as you mentioned so there's not a whole lot left to be said chelsea in america saying if he doesn't want to be at the club he can leave if he wants to stay and fight then i'd love for him to at mary t underscore ke saying personally i think tebow is a victim of a collective poor season except for part of his heart being in madrid of course he's an overall good goalkeeper who makes some mistakes albeit costly mistakes sometimes i would keep him and then at v factor 07 say courtois proved today why he's good but how big of a contributor has caballero made this been this season um as far as competition in the cup run uh, obviously you guys know where I stand. He's top five in the world, hands down, uh, huge potential. So, uh, I will turn it over. Jeff, I don't think we've heard your opinion. I know what Dan and, and Nick are going to say. I mean, I, I would make every effort to keep him. If his heart is really in Madrid and he wants to go because his family is there, like, you know, he's going to leave, but I don't know. I w- you have to make every effort, effort to keep him. You know, I, I agree with you. I think that he's top five in the world. He had, you know, made some mistakes this year, but I think a lot of that is because Chelsea was, you know, very inconsistent uh, with their back line, things like that. Um, you know, I think we saw in the in the final why, you know, he's so highly regarded and, and considered, you know, probably the second best in the Premier League, one of the five best in the world. Um, you know, if, if he signs a new contract this summer, then, then you know, all the stuff about his heart being a manager doesn't really matter. And if he doesn't, then you probably do have to sell him just so, you know, you get the maximum value for him. But... I think you really have to make every effort to keep him if he wants, you know, the same pay as uh, De Gea, pay him that. And if not, and if he still doesn't sign a contract, then you've done all you can do. Yeah. But I really do think yeah. that they have to, you know, make a strong, strong effort to keep yeah. him. No, that's, that you, seems smart. You make, you make the point, you make the point, Jeff, that like, 
I think the easy the 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 path of least resistance is to get a new contract and get him to you know be a top goalkeeper in the world, right? Like that for me, that door is open now that Neuer is kind of on his decline. Uh, you know, I think there is a legitimate argument. You know, Buffon retiring and all these things that Thibaut could be the best goalkeeper in the world if properly applied. I think the thing that drives everybody nuts is that he uh, has to, has to, has to express himself all the time uh, and even saying some, some pretty childish things in the press. And like even today, uh, and I'm just kind of reading this quote verbatim, I love this club, period, but I need to see that the club is going for it. There's always a but. We want to win trophies, but we want to play for the title too. That doesn't make sense to me. If Chelsea want to be on top, we need to show it. So this is consecutive weeks of Eden Hazard and Thibaut Courtois shouting out to the board that they need players, that they want to go and show ambition. And I think, you know, what the club does with that information or what they, you know, how they, how they let it affect their strategy, Dan, is going to be really interesting. Like the best way forward is to sign them up, uh, keep them at the club, but if not, I mean, Jeff's 100% right. You've done what you can do. Move on and, and get the most value you can. But isn't that what we say yeah, as fans? It's doing, no, no, but but, don't, but here, here's the thing. To sign to sign a replacement, Fred and Hazard and Thibaut Courtois, is going to cost you multiple times more in terms of value than it is to sign them into a longer-term deal and go and require one to two to three players that are going to level up this squad appropriately. And so, like, just from a, a economics of it, like, and this whole kind of player power thing, yeah, I mean, players are going to, you know, should and, and more likely will always have more power because their contracts are the ones worth the hundreds of millions compared to, you know, the multiples of millions that managers and coaches have. You know, managers and coaches, for the most part, are interchangeable and replaceable, um, less so in the way that, you know, players are. You know, you can't go out and stumble into, you know, 15 Eden Hazards on the street um, or 10 Thibaut Courtois. Like, you have to have elite talent recruitment, you have to have talent retention, and you have to appropriately add over the course of off seasons the the right type of players and i think they are well within their right to demand quality gets added to this squad uh, and then to also choose if they don't want to play because you know that are here any longer because they're not seeing the board make the right type of intent and bring in the right quality of players like it is totally within their prerogative to do that and and they should i think the only thing that people get upset about is when it happens during the season which this isn't, this is postseason, um, and people feel like the results are some way of manufacturing the type of end result that they want. And I think ultimately, we walked away with a trophy, the end result was the positive one, but we should be very interested as a club in making these two players very happy by getting talented individuals in the side. And that way, the new manager wins. That way, Chelsea wins as a club because we have a better product on the pitch. And then we as fans get to win because it's going to be a more enjoyable uh, thing to watch, whether that is you know positive or negative. Football. Okay, here's it. We all as fans demand we sign better players. The last 12 months of recruitment outside of Giroud was like laughable at best. They as players want to like, okay, I think there's a difference here. If Courtois keeps talking about Madrid, 
that's bullshit. I'm on board with that. But if him and Hazard go, you need better players here. Like, that's the same thing us as fans say. We say the same thing. Board, buy better players. Like, be better with your transfers, your loans, your your scouting and things like that. I, I think that that's different, right? I think that that's totally normal. These guys have a very short career. They want to win as much as they can. To me, I'm okay with that. Not the... I'm flirting with Zidane is the best manager in the world, the one I would love to play for. Madrid is where my heart is because I want to go back and play for Atletico and Real. To me, I think those are two different things. They need to stay, ideally. What about Bakayoko? Uh, for all of you that have uh, uh, non-believers, you can raise your hands, even the knee-jerk reactions included. Um, I would like to kind of tee this one up, Dan, to say, Conte, I think he's managed the Bakayoko situation almost perfectly uh, because he took him out of the light when it was going really, really bad, gave him time to settle and brought him back at the end of the season. And man, he looks like a completely different player. Yeah. I think this is going to be one of the things that'll be very interesting to watch heading into next season is, you know, what does Bakioko's second season in the Premier League look like? And you know, we got some good comments. Jeff Boston asking, uh, did someone promise Bakioko a million, do- uh, million dollar bonus today if he finally removed his head from his posterior region? Um, Phil Tran saying that, uh, did he actually look like a good player today? Um, you know, yes. I-, I think he looked good. Yes, I think there's, yes, there's, there, there's talent there, and it'll be great to see, you know, what he can kind of continue to do. Maybe it's a, you know, a Jardim potentially, you know, one of those names being rumored, getting to reunite with the Monaco Starlet would be uh, very interesting. Uh, Nick, what do you think about the shout from Frank Levesque on Twitter saying that it's time to give Ruben Loftus-Cheek a real chance? Uh, what do you think about that? He just got his call up to England World Cup squad. He's 100% right. Uh, we, we have for months talked about the, you know, the, the real weakness in this Chelsea squad is the midfield. In uh, Golo Conte, as much as we would like to say that he plays like two people, is actually, guys, and I know this will come as a surprise, he's actually only one person. Um, and, and that is uh, significant because usually a midfield is two or three people. So doing the math uh, here, and, and I'm no mathematician, but I think that you know a couple additions to the midfield with quality players could be the, the thing to do. Uh, I, I genuinely think that Ruben is ready, and I think the only question is whether he wants to come back or not. You know, I think that would be, you know, the, the, the palace gig that he has is pretty sweet right now. I mean, they stayed up after a horrific start. He was playing really well on that squad and getting notoriety and got a World Cup call up because of his play. Uh, you know, I think I, I hope he doesn't feel burned by the club and, and you know, for, for their previous uh, work with him. But, uh, Jeff, I mean, this is this is a guy who has a ton of talent and could prove very, very, very uh, instrumental next year. Yeah, to me, like of all the guys that Chelsea have on loan and, and things like that, I think he's he's the one that everyone wants to see come back and succeed and you know i'm not a big fan of like you know he's got to be promised he's he's going to start and be regular but you know maybe he he sees guys like Traore and 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 de bruyne and obviously lukaku and salah and like they leave chelsea and become world-class players so i do think that he he might be the guy that you have to say hey if you do come back you're going to be you know a regular first team member you're going to you know probably start once a week and 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 
you know, you're going to, you're going to be in that midfield rotation and, and play consistently. Then I think he'll, he would definitely want to come back. But, you know, to me, both him and Bakayoko would fit perfectly in a three man midfield, assuming, you know, if, if whoever comes to play four, three, three or something like that, I think both are, you know, would be perfect for that sort of box to box role. Um, you know, I do, I think Bakayoko is going to take the next step next season. And, but I think uh, Loftus-Cheek to me, I think that, if he does come back, I think he automatically becomes probably the second best midfielder in the squad. Barring any any signings, things like that, I think he he would automatically be the second best midfielder in the squad. Well, that nicely intersects us to our last social media question of the pod. Uh, back to you, Jeff, on Fabregas at 30A Blues saying, is it time to move on from Fabregas? Looked like he was running in mud today. So Corey saying, should Fabregas leave the club? And then at Lab North, Alex saying, why the hell did Fabregas continue to get a pass when for large parts of the game, he's an evident liability. It sounds like Alex is saying maybe a reduced role in the team. So, Jeff, uh, what are your thoughts on Fabregas, who is, I believe, turning 31 this summer? Yeah, he's, he's getting up there. I mean, like, look at what he did last season. He wasn't a, um, you know, a consistent start or anything like that. He mostly came on late in games and was an impact sub. I think that's sort of the role that he should play. I mean, obviously in, in the cup final, he was, he was horrible. The second, second half, he just was, you know, he couldn't really move. But if you, if you say, Hey, you play 25 minutes, uh, you know, in big matches, come on and, and, you know, provide more of a, an attacking impetus and, and ball playing, things like that. And then, you know, you could play in cup games or something like that. You know, to me, a, a significantly reduced role is what he needs. I don't think you can trot him out. Um, you know, against good teams. I don't know if you could try to mount and start him more than once in, you know, every couple of weeks. Like, Conte clearly did not agree, and he started him basically, what I think he started, you know, four or five straight games uh, this past month or five or six games, something like that. And that's, he, he just he doesn't have the legs anymore. Um, you know, I don't know what his his resale market is. So I don't I don't know, you know, how much Chelsea would really sell him for. So I don't I don't know if we could really move on in that sense, but I think a significantly reduced role um, is what is what should be earmarked for him next season. All right. Well, we appreciate all of your guys' questions as always. It is, uh, I mean, no shortage of good ones. We appreciate everyone who did participate and submit, but we are going to have to cut it off then and wrap it up. So thank you to everyone. Here's where part three goes, but there's no part three, guys. We're just going to have to kind of leave it out there and and give some insight, I think, to what we have coming the rest of uh, maybe the next month in, into June before uh, World Cup starts. So we'll do final thoughts. I kick it off with Dan, uh, your first kind of teaser preview into the summer. Well, uh, before that, I, th- I think we should, uh, you know, highlight two things. One, um, Youth, women's, and men's team all winning the FA Cups together for Chelsea, which is uh, the club treble. uh, First time in FA history that that has been accomplished. Uh, And then also Chelsea ladies have won the double. Double, double, double. So, uh, you know, big, uh, big credit to Emma, who's happily given birth to two wonderful uh, new children, and all the members of the ladies' team, even the couple who are uh, actually retiring from the club at the end of the season. So, uh, really, really great stuff there. Uh, but, Nick, we've got more video content, like our Paulo uh, Ferreira video that we released this week coming out uh, over the next several. Correct. Uh, so... Uh, we have teased at this for about a month, and it's something that we are super excited about. So uh, we hope to get a bunch of video views and comments, and uh, and really uh, you know share this thing out with the uh, with the masses. But 
when we were in in London, we went on a secret uh, video project uh, that uh, we organized with the club. Uh, there will be videos from Paolo, which you can we can you can view online right now. Uh, he's excellent. Talks about his role as the loan technical manager, uh, about which players he covers, his playing time at Chelsea, and all sorts of good stuff. We got to interview Tori Andre Flo, uh, who is another loan technical manager and a uh, Chelsea legend who just played in the uh, uh, the Legends match against Inter Forever. Uh, we also got to talk to David Luiz and William. Uh, Brandon, uh, both were incredibly kind, funny, jovial, uh, guys. And we can't wait to, uh, to release those videos, uh, ahead of the world cup, right? It's going to be great. You guys are going to enjoy it. So hopefully we have more and more stuff coming. So obviously last thing we just want to say, thank you to Jeff, my man. It's been good to have you back on. Uh, glad you are rested and recovered after a crazy March madness. Yeah. Thanks guys for having me on. Uh, I'm glad it was this week instead of like last week because last week would have been miserable. Uh, Newcastle match and you know Enrique would be the was the next manager a week ago. So I'm glad now it's at least after a cup final and and there's some opt- optimism in the air, big summer ahead, things like that, and, and Maurizio Sarri rumors uh, buzzing about today. So yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, it's it's been a good season of podcasts. Uh, we least. appreciate it. So yeah, keep in touch. Obviously, we will be releasing our keep sell loan and a and a season review pods in the coming weeks. So don't worry, we won't be going away just yet. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.